Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey folks, Zach Ostrom here, Iowa Center, Indianapolis Star. This is Mind Your Banners for Sunday, October 15th, 2023. And if you're listening to this, I think you know what we're going to talk about with me is Zion Brown. Zion, is this your podcast debut? I feel like we've been on this thing. Yeah, no, I believe so. I think it's my first time here on, on Mind Your Banners. Okay, well, you know, it's a deeply professional outfit that we run here. Um, <laughs> so please, please remember what an honor it is to be on a podcast that... Uh, you know, is, is, is run really um, like a multimedia empire, I think it's fair to say. Um, Liam McNeely commits to Indiana. I don't think anybody's going to be surprised by that. If, if, if this is the first you've heard of it, then uh, if you this first you, the listener, have heard of it, then I suppose uh, allow me to be the first to tell you. Five-star prospect in 2024, long-term target, probably as long-term of a target for Indiana in this class as anybody um certainly you know in terms of maybe players indiana's kind of gotten to the end of the line with here picked uh, picked indiana over kansas montvert academy uh, prospect a wing player i think it's very easy to see positionally how he fits um what mike woodson wants to do but the first thing i wanted to talk about really was just say you did a, a really good sort of deep dive film sort of breakdown uh for us of, of mcneely's strengths where he can grow um We'll talk a little bit about maybe the the, the symbolism behind a, a third straight class with at least one five-star prospect and all that kind of stuff in a minute. But, you know, your impressions first of, of McNeely as a player, I think in particular he's a – for his size in particular, he is a very high-level shooter. Yeah, that is the thing that, that jumps off the page, that jumps off the screen when you watch Liam McNeely. It's his ability to shoot the ball from outside, whether it's in the half-court offense or not he can really just let it fly and he's not hesitant in the slightest to let it go. So his shooting is going to stand out as soon as he gets to campus and, you know, you watch him, he can spot up and shoot, but he also is somebody that at Montverde, they ran a lot of movement sets for, and he was able to knock down shots in those environments. What's interesting to me is, I think you, I forget the exact term you used, forgive me, but you made a really good point. He's not just one kind of shooter. Um, you know, he's, he's not someone that needs to be in a specific place on the floor to shoot well. He's not someone that can only shoot on the catch or can only shoot on the dribble. And I'm sure even if he were sitting here, he'd say, well, I can be better in all these areas. But, you know, I, I'm trying to think of a player that, was equally dangerous on the catch and on the pull-up for Indiana, shooting the ball from behind the arc. Um, Yogi Ferrell comes to mind. Jordan Halls comes to mind. Obviously, those are players, though, that are more, you know, sort of prototypical guards. Um, and, and obviously, in their case, you probably classify them as point guards. This is someone who's legitimate 6'5", 6'6", 6'7", who's got the length, who's got the wingspan, who's already going to be a difficult cover just based on his body type. When you add in the ability to 
shoot from so many different sort of, uh, I don't know if you'd call it looks or, or just basically that there's not one way you could sort of pigeonhole. He needs to shoot the ball like this. So if we take that away from him, he's going to struggle. It, it, again, it's really easy to see how a guy like that impacts from day one. Yeah, it's something that we we don't really see a lot in college, especially not from a freshman. I mean, you just think about I you think about what they were as a team last year. They had several guys, you know, Trey Galloway, uh, Miller Cop, Tamar Bates that that shot the ball well, you know, percentage wise. Even Jalen Hitchfino, he trailed off at the end, but that shot the ball percentage wise. But they, like you said, needed a certain type of look. They needed to be open and and kind of in the shooter's pocket. Whereas McNeely is somebody who you are actually going to look at and run sets for say, hey, come off this curl, curl off the screen, come off a pin down, maybe a few flares as well, where he's kind of going away from the screener. And you say, hey, you can knock down those shots. You have a quick release. Like you said, he's a, a six, eight, six, nine type of player. And Indiana historically, like in their history and in most colleges history, you don't have a guy at that size that can that can shoot at that level as far as coming off screens and off movement the way that Leo McNeely can. So it's going to add just an extra element to this Indiana offense, regardless of who actually comes back to IU next year to, to play with McNeely or who else they get from this 2024 class. I think the other interesting thing with guys like this, and I know you touched on this in, in your piece, I think you can also just see it when you watch him play, whether, I mean, I, I will hold my hand up and admit I've never seen him play live, but I've seen him play, I guess, live in the sense of watching his games on TV. I've obviously also seen highlights, packages, and things like that. He's a very good and a very willing passer. And, you know, I think probably the term point forward gets a little bit overused at times. Um, but when you have somebody that is going to be, you know, already a bit of a defensive mismatch, already is going to be, for example, probably facing a lot of sort of almost panicked closeouts, Um when you also have some of that passing ability, the ability to throw a good lob, the the willingness to, you know, make that extra pass, even if you're a good shooter and you're sort of open in a pocket or a window, but you see somebody else open in a slightly better situation, um, that ability to not, not just, I mean, the willingness is obviously important, but also the ability to share the basketball, it, it, you know, just in, in the creative, the creativity of his passing, the range of his passing for a player who's, you know, probably going to be expected to shoot a decent amount as a freshman that just kind of adds a layer to sort of the danger he presents. Yeah. The, the passing is there for Leo McNeely. I, I wouldn't go as far as to call him a point forward. Maybe that's just my own brain. I think of point forward. I think of like LeBron James and Sky. Yeah, Pippen, no, but, I, like I said, you know, we, right, we right. overuse that term. Like you see somebody <laughs> big that can pass the ball and they're a point forward, but it's more just kind of the idea that, when those opportunities present themselves, he's probably not going to struggle to, again, throw like a good lob or, you know, feed the post in maybe some sort of mismatch or rotation situation. Yeah, he doesn't. He's not a guy that has tunnel vision. So while he's not somebody I would say, hey, give the ball to Liam McNeely and let him set up your whole offense when he's coming off those screens or when he's just driving and, and there's a lot of attention on him, he is really adept at finding the open man, the simple pass that's one read away. Uh, there were several plays that I watched from Montverde where he would come off of a screen from Derek Queen, who he also would now be trying to recruit his own teammate to be teammates with him again at IU. He was coming off of a Queen screen, and two guys would kind of jump out at McNeely, and he would just find Queen for an easy layup, easy dunk, or or free throw. So 
he is a very willing passer. Like I said, he doesn't have that tunnel vision. When he when he notices it, it's just the over anticipation and the the shift of an of a defense putting too much attention on him. He is more than willing and he is smart enough to realize, okay, I got to get this ball out of my hands quickly. And like you said, he throws those passes pretty accurately. I referenced Mike Woodson's time in, in Atlanta a lot because I, I just, as a, as a fan growing up in Atlanta, I saw what he did with those Hawks teams and uh, I've written about, and, and I'm certainly going to be writing even more in depth, shameless tease uh, <laughs> in the coming weeks about, just the versatility of some of those lineups that when you would look at it, he, he'd kind of have, you know, point guards of a specific style, but then it would feel almost like everybody else on the floor was pretty much interchangeable. Um, obviously Liam McNeely, like any high school player is probably going to have to work on his defense and, and just get stronger and quicker and get used to just a, a, a jump up in competition. But I'm also interested in his rebounding ability because one of the things that, that made Mike Woodson's team's, really good when they were really good defensively and certainly what made those Larry Brown Pistons teams that Mike Woodson helped build. Um, and of course the, the, the Pistons NBA title is what leads into Mike Woodson getting the Atlanta job. Um, you could point at one or two, three guys that, that were kind of your quote unquote leading rebounders, but you always had four, if not five guys on the floor that were comfortable rebounding the basketball well for their position. And People who listen to this podcast will know I say this all the time. If you can't rebound well, you can't defend well. Because if you can't end a possession, then you're not then then you're just going to defend it forever. Um, we have seen obviously the last couple of years. I think it's fair to say Indiana's been pretty reliant on Trace Jackson Davis and Race Thompson for their rebounding. We didn't really see it. You know, Xavier Johnson was a really good guard rebounder, but obviously we didn't see much of that last year because he got hurt. Trey Galloway, Jalen Huchifino, those guys would get involved, but you didn't necessarily feel like it was sort of, you know, near the top of their remit. You know, I think here with a, a player like Liam McNeely, without wanting to sort of pigeonhole him positionally too much, it feels like you're adding somebody that probably isn't your leading rebounder, but is is one of those people that when you add it up at the end of games, you say, well, the reason Indiana out-rebounded whoever is because, you know, the guys down low, your starting forwards had 21 between them. But then these, you know, here's four other guys that each had four. And the point is, if everybody can chip in just that little bit more, you clean the glass a little bit more effectively, you do in some of those defensive possessions and you get yourself out in transition. When you couple it with somebody that can pass the ball fairly well, while also rebounding at what you'd expect from maybe more of a wing forward type player, that is also an element where I know people will get a lot more excited about stuff like shooting percentages and stuff like that. I mean, that is one of those little things that adds up to big things for basketball teams with real ambition. Yeah. And I think it's funny enough because I, I talked about not rebounding specifically, but how I didn't get a great sense on McNeely's interior defense watching those Montverde games because he's playing with, with Derek Queen, a, a really good center. Uh, with Cooper Flagg, who's a, a 6'9", I think maybe almost 6'10", guy who is going to be the the highest recruit now in this 2024 class. He just reclassified. And with Austin Newell, a, a former IU target. So he was uh, he was always out there with like at least two of those guys. So he was never going to be the lead rebounder in those lineups. I mean, that might be, that'll probably be, not might, that'll probably be a more talented front court than whatever he plays with at Indiana. 
So you don't get to see him become somebody they relied on too much for interior defense or rebounding. But I think at his size, I think he will be a capable enough rebounder. And I think the point you made at the end where you say you you pair that rebounding with his passing ability um, and, and put it in the open court, basically, when he gets those rebounds, if you put him at the four, he's not somebody who, who needs to, to pass it to a guard after he gets those rebounds. He can at least bring the ball across half court and you can go from there. So if he if he can improve, like to get a little stronger and and be able to to become a reliable rebounder, that'll open up things on both ends of the floor for Indiana. I think the last thing is is something that Eric Bossy, um, who's who's uh, forgive me, Eric, if you're listening, but uh, his his official title, I believe, is um, director of basketball recruiting for 24/7 Sports. He's he's been a lead national recruiting analyst for. As long as I've been around college basketball recruiting, even just following it, you know, sort of as a as a passing fancy. Um, the other thing he pointed out, I think it's always relevant for players like this. I think you could see it with Jalen Hutchifino. I think, you, you know, you could see it with Malik Renew, and you probably will see it even more in a season like this one when he's going to step into a bigger role. Coming from a place like Montverde, there's obviously the whole sort of testing yourself against an elite schedule and playing other elite prospects and all these kinds of things. But I think there's actually, in a lot of ways, at least I, I, I've always sort of been of the opinion that there's a, there's even more value when you're recruiting guys that, you know, you can pretty well know as long as they're healthy, they're going to start, you know, very soon in college. They're, they're going to be in the mix for major minutes early on in their college careers. Coming from a place where you, you know, you talk about Derek Queen, Asa Newell, Curtis Gibbons, I mean, just all the all the talent that Montverde is going to have, Cooper Flagg, on any given in any given moment in a game uh, when you bring a player that you are going to expect to contribute in a lot of ways pretty quickly and they don't have to learn how to play with other really good players they don't have to figure out you know well this is this is when i pass this is when i shoot this is when this is when to be a little selfish you know go find my shot because my team my team needs me to be a little selfish here this is when i need to just make the extra pass keep the ball moving or, or whatever it might be um that can manifest itself in a thousand different ways, but it's a really hard thing to teach. You know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a really difficult thing. I think it's in some ways it's a lot more, it's in, in some ways it's almost easier. I think when you get a guy and the guy I think about a lot is OG Ananobi who, you know, was really unheralded, you know, kind of not very well known when he came out of high school, but he, he gets to Indiana's campus and, you know, I don't know if he looks around and just thinks I'm a lot better than I expected to be in this setting, but very quickly you're hearing people within the program sort of saying he's adjusted and he's fine and he's good and he's challenging older players and all that stuff. It's almost easier for a guy like that, I think, to sort of find out he belongs more quickly than than you'd expect than it is, I think, to, to take somebody who is, you know, the, the quote-unquote sort of big fish in the small pond, put them into a situation where suddenly they are one of three or four or five really talented players on the floor at any given time and – help them understand how to fit in. Liam McNeely, I think, is going to do a lot of a lot of shooting for Indiana, a lot of scoring for Indiana. I think he's going to have a significant role next season. But he's also somebody who's going to be able, and, and this was the point Bossy made, he's going to walk in understanding how to fit into a really good team. And I think that's a really underrated quality for a freshman. Again, I think back to Yogi Ferrell and how important he was his freshman year for that Big Ten title team. He was a completely different player 
the other three years of his college career because Indiana needed him to be something different. But that that first year, Indiana had Christian Watford, Victor Oladipo, Cody Zeller, Jordan Hulls, I mean, you know, on and on and on. It needed Yogi Ferrell to be something different, and he he had the ability to be that. I think Liam McNeely brings some of that as well from his time at Montverde, not just testing himself against other elite players, but also understanding how to be an impactful elite player on a team of elite players, if you understand what I'm saying. I, I completely get what you mean there. I think it was uh, Alex Caruso who said this about the NBA a few years ago. I think he said something like, don't think you're applying for the CEO spot when all they're asking for is a janitor. And, you know, there's there, there's one CEO, but we need janitors. We we still need our janitors. And those are good spots, open spots for you to to fill in and you know, and I, I, in McNeely's case, he's probably somewhere in between the two, I guess. But but he will know how to play with other talented players right away coming from Montverde. Like you mentioned, I think that's why part of why Jalen Huchifino worked so well last year for Indiana is he he almost in in the in the midst of one season did what you talked about with Yogi Ferrell, where he came in and it was like, OK, I'm kind of second second fiddle as far as in the backcourt because X was playing. Then when Xavier Johnson got hurt, he realized, all right, this team needs me to do a lot more of, of the scoring, of the scoring load and of the facilitating. So just being able to say, OK, I am not the guy anymore, which Leo McNeely had to do in high school, not not in college, being able to say this is what they need from me. You know, you have a player that can do this. You have one that can do this. I'm the shooter. I'm the guy that can shoot and, you know, maybe play a little defense, get some rebounds, as we mentioned. Being able to to recognize that and not try to do too much is a huge thing in college basketball. I know all the all college coaches look at that, look at the ability for a player to come in and, and fit next to their other guys. So uh, it'll be it'll be probably an easier transition for him than it is for most talented freshmen because he's playing with these great players that will also go to to esteem colleges and and eventually to the NBA. What it means in the in the wider sense, um, obviously, first of all, Indiana's finally got off the mark in 2024 for all the talk about, you know, all these these players Indiana's recruiting and getting deep into the process with you have to give them, you have to close. And, and Indiana's done that with with a really talented player now. Um, and McNeely name checked Derek Queen and, and Boogie Flan pretty much right away on that ESPN broadcast as guys that he's going to try and bring with him. Um, I wrote about this in in my insider kind of after after McNeely announced his commitment. Um, you know, it's when Indiana brought Jalen Huchifino in, it, it sort of felt like the you know when when you're a when you're a new head coach at a place like Indiana, it always feels it almost it always feels like you almost handed like a card to play where you get at least one five-star prospect in your first like full class. Like you just, there's a level of momentum and prestige and there's an energy behind a new coach with the fans. And so there's kind of this, this interest and whatever, and you just, you're, you're, you know, it feels like you're almost sort of guaranteed like this, this, you know, this, this five-star card that you can just hand in. Not that Indiana didn't do really good work with Jalen Huchifino and recruiting him and convincing him of, you know, what, what I, you could do for him, what Mike Woodson and his staff would do for him, et cetera. But then you have obviously guys like Tamar Bates and Malik Renew, um, you know, high, well, well-regarded recruits, not expected to open up their process in the spring. Everything's got to kind of got to move quickly. Mackenzie Mbako, of course, sort of the marquee example of that of Indiana being able to build those relationships very quickly and just just really sort of advance things on an accelerated timetable. This is the first time, though, that Mike Woodson has had to go the distance, kind of you know, starting line to finish line, and say you know, from the the earliest sort of weeks or months, 
that Liam McNeely went from like, hey, he's a pretty talented player. We can see he's going to be one of the best players at his position at his class to, okay, he's actually going to start thinking about things like, who do I want to talk to? Where do I want to take junior year official visits? Who, who am I going to be serious with? Even before he's cutting down lists or announcing finalists, the, the point when his recruitment basically sort of, you know, shifts into gear, like, like really in a serious way, Indiana is there from the start of that to his commitment, you know, pushes everybody else out of the way. That's not an easy thing to do. And in particular, you know, it's none of these guys we're talking about really had any sort of natural predisposition for Indiana, which speaks well again of Mike Woodson and his staff and the work they do. But in particular, for a guy that has, you know, I don't think any real, at least I'm not aware of any like really sort of deep ties to Indiana. Like, I don't think he was born in Indianapolis or, you know, had like, I mean, he mentioned like all of his family members who played basketball at the college level, and they were all basically kind of in Texas or the Plain States, um, you know, to, to go start to finish and just always be the, sort of the most present, the most aware, the most invested, the most involved, and ultimately the, the, the team that pushes off the home, the in-state school, Texas, that, that pushes away Kansas for the second time in six months for a really talented player. Um, that is a different kind of recruiting win. It, it requires something different of your your coach and his staff. And I think it really shouldn't go understated the extent to which that's the sort of thing that really um, builds a foundation that you can you can kind of follow on to in in basketball recruiting. I, I completely agree because I think especially at a place like Indiana that as we know has the NIL money but has the the, the lore and the history, the aesthetic of Assembly Hall. I think it's easier when it is uh, a Tamar Bates, Malik Renew, uh, McKenzie and Baco, where, okay, they've only got maybe a month or two, maybe less, to make their decision after um, in Bates and, and Renew's case, their coach got fired at the school they were going to go to. In, in Baco's case, it was Kyle Filipowski came back to Duke and he wasn't really expecting that, so he didn't want to go there anymore. You know, they only they had a, only a, a short amount of time to really decide what they were going to do because they decommitted late in their senior years. And so when that happens, it's a situation where, okay, Indiana just pops off the screen because you can take them on, a, on their official visit and they see everything and, you know, they, they don't get time to sit on it and to, to think about it and having to, you know, text and call these coaches every day for for over a year. And in, in McNeely's situation, like you said, this was the first big one where from the moment you know, Indiana got to campus and or Mike Woodson and his staff got situated. They they targeted McNeely as one of the first guys that they wanted in this class. And they've kept the relationship for over a year now. They've gone to his games and, ha of course, had him on visits and everything. And then that was able to get them a seat at the table, as Mike Woodson put it. That was able to convince Liam McNeely that this was the place for him rather than going to Kansas, who just won a national championship. A little over 18 months ago. So it's a much different win and it's a much more sustainable win. I don't think you're going to get a five star in, in April or May every single year. But when you can say, hey, we we looked at this guy from start to finish, held that constant contact and communication and convinced him that IU was the best place to go. That means you are doing something right. That means you have really found your groove and have a staff that you can believe can recruit just about anybody to come to IU. Obviously, the there's still two more names out there. Boogie Fland, 
Derek Queen, I think, uh, you know, just based on what I'm hearing and, and bear in mind that this is all, you know, this is all kind of just everybody trying to read tea leaves and things. I do think things could, could move in a pretty serious direction one way or the other with Boogie Flan soon, um, IU or Kentucky. Derek Queen, I think it's probably fair to say that's not going to really materialize until at least after his Maryland visit, which, if I'm not mistaken, is next weekend. So or the weekend upcoming, if you want to say, because we're recording this on Sunday night or Sunday afternoon. So, you know, I don't think that probably shifts into sort of serious decision mode until after that. Um, but the last question I, I'll ask you, uh, Zion, is just, you know, what, again, is somebody who, who really kind of ran the rule over this player, you know, looking at his his skills, his, his strengths, his weaknesses, whatever. Um, what's a reasonable expectation in your mind for, for Liam McNeely in his first um, – in his first, you know, college season, what might, who knows, maybe it's his only college season, especially when you do consider again, kind of this idea that he's probably not, you know, we would be surprised. I think at this point, if, if Indiana is sort of rebuilding its roster wholesale this time next year, you're going to have some guys that you can probably count on being there. So you're not necessarily going to be looking at him and saying, Hey, come in here and score 25 points a game. But at the same time, you're, you're probably also, you probably are putting more on his shoulders than you would most freshmen. So just what do you think is sort of, you know, what do you think his freshman season reasonably looks like? I think he's probably somebody that comes in and averages somewhere between 12 and, and 15 points a game as a freshman. Um, depending on how much stronger he gets, I wouldn't be surprised to see him playing the power forward a decent amount his first year in Bloomington. Now, if he if he doesn't necessarily fill out the way that maybe he should in the next year, year and a half, then, then that's a situation where I think he, he mainly plays the three. But I would expect 12 to 15 points a game. In my estimation, it's so hard to like guess with a lot of these like fringe players if they're one-and-done prospects. I think he is probably a two-year guy that maybe after another two or three years of, of development, then he leaves for the NBA. I don't see one-and-done because the athleticism doesn't pop out the pick, pop off the screen with McNeely. But I do think that after a, a second season where he gets more comfortable, where maybe he is the the soul, the main guy that IU looks at, then that's when the the NBA scouts will, will start to take notice. But I, I really feel like he will take the offense to to another level, and and sometimes it'll be in ways we don't realize with how many points he scored because because teams are going to know this is a great shooter. You know, I don't know um, if you remember watching the Kansas game with Grady Dick or um, any other Kansas games, but it was in a similar fashion where there were moments where it was like, why did that Kansas guy just get a wide open layup? Well, it's because somebody else was scrambling, trying to identify Grady Dick, and they didn't realize that they were giving up a layup in the process. Something like that, where he creates a bucket or two a game from just his overall gravity being there. That's how I expect McNeely to impact this IU offense. And and his transition shooting is, is really something that I think will, will help Indiana a lot. Mike Woodson has emphasized running. I think he wants to more, run more and more than he has in these first two seasons. And with McNeely... I know a lot of people have fought back on the transition three for, for so many years now, but I think people are starting to realize like, hey, this is going to be more open than any three you get in a half-court offense. So if you you had that opportunity to transition, why not shoot it? And McNeely, when he's in transition and he doesn't have the ball, he is flaring out to the three-point line and ready for the ball to come his way for an open three. So just those easier opportunities from outside and, and helping out his teammates get better looks and better spacing because of what he can do as a shooter. 
I think that'll be something that pops right away for McNeely, whether or not he is an NBA prospect off the bat or not. We'll leave it there. Um, I think it's it's fair to assume there will be more to discuss as it pertains to IU basketball recruiting in the not-so-distant future, at very least in terms of trying to figure out where these guys fit or where Indiana fits maybe in, in their sort of final – in the final decisions that these – that Boogie Fland and Derek Queen have to make and then where Indiana goes from there depending on who does and doesn't pick the Hoosiers. But for Sunday afternoon anyway, I think Indiana fans and, and probably Indiana staff will be happy to just sort of uh, celebrate the news of Liam McNeely's commitment, expected as it might have been in some quarters or not. Um, he is – Zion Brown, I'm Zach Osterman. This has been Mind Your Banners for Sunday, October 15th. Thank you so much for listening. As always, we'll be back sometime next week uh, to kind of dig into the transition football-wise between Michigan and Rutgers and just where things are headed for for Tom Allen. But obviously today, I think it's fair to say Liam McNeely is what's on everyone's mind. And so we wanted to really sort of get our hands around that for all of you. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you soon. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.